Hi, welcome to All People's Church. As we start today's message, I'd like to share a brief story. I remember some years ago, our very first board meeting as a church. Now for us as a young church and a young church staff, this was a really big deal to us. This is when our mentors and spiritual fathers and mothers, they fly in and they invest in our team and they help provide guidance and wisdom for our church. So of course, we're excited, a little nervous. We're wanting to show them our life here in San Diego, describe to them what God has done, have them meet people in the church and just kind of figure it all out. And it was something we were really looking forward to. And one of the things we always do during our board meetings is we spend time to pray and worship and seek God on what his promises might be for the next season in our church. And, and of course, we did that at this first meeting. And so we had a time of worship and prayer, really seeking God. This has been a way that God has led us throughout the years. Well, this first meeting was very significant. We started to talk and pray about the different moves of God, the different revivals, you might say, that have happened in Southern California in the last 100 years. And one member of our board, who's actually the founder of our family of churches we're a part of, the Antioch uh, group of churches, Jimmy Seibert, he said this, he said, I have no question as to whether a great church is gonna be planted in San Diego through all people's church. I have no question whether there's gonna be a move of God here in San Diego. Actually, I, I believe that God has spoken that. I have no question that this church will go on to plant other churches. And to be quite honest, just to hear Jimmy say that was amazing because he has a lot of experience in church planting. And what, what I knew and, and know today even more so is most new churches fail. Most churches that go to start and plant a church, they don't make it. And if they do, they, they, they typically don't grow significantly. And so most don't make it over 200 people. So for him to say, hey, this church is going to be planted, established, it's going to grow, it's going to increase, it's going to have influence, that was a really big deal. And for him to go even further and say, and this church is going to plant churches, to be quite honest, you know, it was stretching my faith. No, just, just hearing that because I know that most churches don't actually go plant churches. So I, I, my mind was blown. This was a huge vote of confidence. And so we're listening, Jimmy's talking about that. And then he shifts and he says something else. And this was a very, very significant moment that really stuck with me. Jimmy said, my only question is that will everyone in this room survive it? Will everyone in this room survive the journey? And he was speaking about our spiritual health, our vitality, our, our emotional well-being. Would, would we be strong enough in the Lord to make it through that journey? And to be quite honest, it's a moment that's always stuck with me. It, it felt sobering, it felt real. It felt like hard, but true fatherly wisdom. And I don't know before that moment if I'd really thought much about this idea of surviving my calling. I was just so excited to have a calling. I never thought about surviving it or what might happen at the end of the day. And it really shifted my understanding of what a calling was. And of course, when we look at the Bible, we see the same thing. In 2 Corinthians, we see the Apostle Paul talking about his calling. And, and there's these amazing things that God had done through the life of Paul, but then extraordinary challenges. He talks about beatings and being imprisoned and shipwrecks. He was even lost at sea at one time. He talks about being whipped and robbed and left for dead, not to mention the daily pressure of all the churches. That's what, those, those are Paul's words, that's what he said. And he experienced tremendous pressure, yet at the end of his ministry life had survived his calling. Well, today we're gonna look at the life of Jonah. We're completing this series called Lost at Sea, but the book of Jonah in the Old Testament 
Because Jonah's life has some secrets for us. It has some, some spiritual principles that we can put into practice regarding surviving our calling. Jonah actually went through several stages in his spiritual life that enabled him to survive his calling. We're going to be looking at Jonah chapter 3 and Jonah chapter 4. Let's pick up Jonah's story here in Jonah chapter 3. I'm going to read a little bit from the New Living Translation, which says this, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Deliver the message I have given you. This time, this was Jonah's second time, remember, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Now behind me is an artist's rendering of Nineveh. And you can just see, this is a very cosmopolitan city. Nineveh was known for its great walls, um, had beautiful rivers that ran through it, beautiful architecture, beautiful ecology and planting. It was, it was just a place that you wanted to be if you liked aesthetics and if you liked to be where is that. A lot of people com com compare Nineveh to a modern day Dubai or a modern day Las Vegas. It was kind of a, a center of commerce and entertainment in its area where people went to let their hair down, experience life, it just continually growing, and it just had that buzz about it. And so that was Nineveh. So Jonah, remember, is an Israelite, he's of a different race, and he's going to Nineveh to proclaim God's message. And we see the first phase, the first stage that Jonah had to go through to survive his calling. It's just simply this. Go. In order to survive your calling, you have to respond to God's calling. You have to go. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Nineveh a second time, get up and go. So Jonah went. He finally went. He learned his lesson and he went to Nineveh. And I love Jonah's story. I love his process because I actually think it's easy to judge Jonah. It's easy to look at him and say, hey, he went in opposite direction the first time. But a lot of us do that. A lot of us resist God. A lot of us wait for, you know, eight, nine, 10 confirmations. A lot of us really wrestle with the idea of responding to God's call. And this is what I want you to know, my brothers and sisters. God is so gracious. He's so gracious. He was gracious to Jonah and he's gracious to you and me. He renewed Jonah's calling. He gave Jonah another opportunity I think about it like this. I think about my phone, my maps program. You know, when, when you put in an address to a friend's house or a restaurant, you start driving that way. What happens when you take a wrong turn? It says this, recalculating. Maybe your phone says that. Mine, mine does. It says recalculating. It might take you a little longer to get there. It might cost you a little bit more and gas or time, but you will still be led there if you respond and follow the directions. So, so Jonah finally went he, he went to go to Nineveh. There's three things that we have to consider when God calls us somewhere. First of all, there's a place. God has a place. He has a place for you and a place for me, a place to live. Sometimes God's very specific, like live in this house, on this block. Other times, the revelation's more general. Hey, live in this city, live in this area. But God has a place for you to be. The place that you live really impacts your life and your calling. That's one of the lessons from Jonah's story. The next thing we see is Jonah had a part to play in discipling others. Now, Jonah's part, he was a prophet, so his job was to proclaim God's word. But we all have different parts to play, things that God will call us to do in the place where we live. And then finally, there are specific people. Jonah was sent to the Ninevites. There are people in your life that God is sending you to in order to have an impact upon 
for his glory and for his name. Jonah said yes when God said go. That's the first principle of surviving God's calling. It's not always easy to go. You know, we gotta move all our stuff, that's stressful. Sometimes it costs a lot of money. Figuring out a new culture, a new company, a new part of town, a new school, whatever God's calling you to, there's a cost to that. But we have to be people that say yes to God's calling when he says go. So that's the first phase, the go phase. Now we're gonna see the second phase of surviving God's call. Picking it up in verse four. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast, put on burlap, burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal clothes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals or the herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways. They must stop all violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the, discussion, the, the destruction he had threatened. Wow, what a story. This is an amazing example of Old Testament revival. And it's the season in Jonah's life and calling of growth. It's the season of growth. The growth stage is when we've stepped out into our calling and we start to see some of the fruit of obeying God. It's when we start to see some of those results, some of those initial things that God has promised us. Some examples of the growth stage might be, I remember I was part of starting a retail business and I still remember that first customer that came in and we put their money in the till and we framed that dollar, you know, and put it up on the wall. That was the growth stage. Maybe it's the first check that comes in the mail for, for a venture that you're involved in. For some people, it might be taking a child home from the hospital. We have now entered into the growth stage of fulfilling this promise God has given us of a child. Other people, it might be actually the legal pronouncement that that child is yours if you're fostering or adopting a child. But when God gives you a promise and then there's some breakthrough, there's always a season of fruit and of blessing where you start to see God at work. As a pastor, I serve on the board of different churches and you know, encourage those leaders and pray for them. And when churches are in the growth stage, that is just the fun time to be on a board. The team is doing well. Everyone's excited, you know, everything is up and to the right. The church is growing. There's plenty of resources. And it's just a wonderful, blessed stage to go through the time of growth. This moment in Jonah's life, I mean, it really only has about 10 verses in the Bible. It, it, it's kind of hard to overstate how powerful this would have been. One man walks into a city preaching a very unseeker sensitive message, right? He's saying, in 40 days, God's wrath is coming upon you. He's gonna destroy the whole city. You know, there's no track, there's no nice music, there's no way for people to respond. But what we see here is, is something I've been meditating on this year in Acts 19 verse 20, God's prevailing word. When Jonah went to declare God's prevailing word, God moved 
and people's hearts were turned. I mean, even the king, it says, is coming off his throne to repent. Even the animals are fasting. I mean, this is absolutely amazing in this great revival we see in the scriptures. So for most of us, this would have been the end of the movie. Jonah went, there was a time of growth, the king repented, and now Nineveh is a godly city. That's kind of how we would like to end the story. But what's so interesting when you get into Jonah's life is this is not where the story ends. That's just Jonah chapter three. Jonah chapter four tells us more about what God was needing to do in Jonah's heart for him to survive his calling. We we pick it up in Jonah four, verse one. This change of plans, this change of plans, meaning God didn't destroy Nineveh, but allowed them to turn to him and repent. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. Hmm, something's going on with Jonah. Tim Keller, one pastor writes this. We are led to expect that the book would end in chapter three on a note of triumph. And Jonah returned to his own land rejoicing. Jonah's reaction to revival at Nineveh is shocking and inexplicable. Do artists get angry when a prominent gallery accepts their art? Do musicians get angry when they are given a standing ovation at Carnegie Hall? Why then, when Jonah has preached to the toughest audience of his life and they have responded positively down to the last person, does he melt down in furious rage? It's an interesting question. What is going on with Jonah? Well, Jonah is entering into the next stage of surviving his calling. And this is a very difficult stage, the stage of grief. He's gone from the go stage to the grow stage to the grief stage. We experience grief in all kinds of ways in life. Of course, when there's the death of a loved one, there's grief that comes across with that. But even beyond that, There are many things we lose. There are many ways that we transition in life and we experience grief and loss in those moments. When things don't go like we want, we experience grief. When our expectations aren't met, we experience grief. This time of the coronavirus shutdown has been a time of grief for many people. You just look at this verse, the change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became angry. Surely for you, I know for me, there's been times where my plans have had to change during this season, and it's, it's brought anger, it's brought unwanted emotions into my heart that I've had to deal with. I remember sitting with a nationally recognized psychologist, asking him some questions. We began to talk about the Bible, and he said something that I'll never forget. He said, the Bible is the world's greatest book for soul care. The Bible is the world's greatest book for soul care. You know, that's really true. This, the, the gamut of human experience, all the emotions we feel, they can be found in the Bible. And in Christ, through relationship with God and through the wisdom of the scriptures, we have tools on how to sort through that And we're gonna see now how Jonah experienced this process of grief and where he landed along the journey. Continuing in Jonah chapter four, I'll go back to verse one. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. 
Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under. And as he waited to see what would happen to the city, and the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him in the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint, and he wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Jonah's not in a good place, in case you haven't picked this up. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? That's the end of the book of Jonah, right there. Jonah's in this process, in this journey of dealing with grief. Therapists widely agree that there are different stages or waypoints that people experience as they grieve. And as we look at Jonah's journey here, we actually see a lot of those same things happening in his life and in his heart. Anger is one of the commonly known stages of grief. Well, God talks to Jonah about his anger twice in this passage. By the way, when God asks you a question, is it right for you to be angry? You should really think about your answer, even if you're an Old Testament prophet. Something is clearly going on with Jonah. I mean, he's upset, right? I was just trying to know, what could Jonah possibly be upset about? Well, he seems upset that God has changed his plans. So that's frustrating Jonah. It seems like the whole mission trip to Assyria is a waste of time. If God was going to allow the people to repent anyway, why did Jonah even need to go? I'm sure he asked that question. Also, I think it's notable to say Jonah did not really like the Ninevites. He had a bias against them, an ethnic, a nationalist bias. He believed the Hebrew people, the Israelites, were of a greater measure than the Gentiles. And so I think there's some bias here that's being confronted that's causing him to be angry. There's this whole experience that Jonah is dealing with as his expectations have not been met. Recently, the Washington Post published a story. This was the title. I've got it right here. Americans are living in a big anger incubator. Americans are living in a big anger incubator. Of course, anger is a natural response to injustices. Sometimes there can even be righteous anger. But our anger in itself doesn't produce the righteousness that God requires. That's what the book of James says. And today in our culture, anger is spinning out of control. There's just this atmosphere of ratcheting up responses and, offensive and offenses. And for many people, 
anger can be a coping mechanism to deal with uncertainty. So, so Jonah is going through this time of intense anger. His life has been in upheaval, so, uh, socially, theologically. Uh, he, he's just dealing with this big emotion of anger. It's a sign of his grief that his expectations were not met. As we go to fulfill our calling, things don't always turn out like we hoped. The next emotion that Jonah must confront during this time of grief is, is really bargaining. This is one of the stages of grief. He tries to bargain with God. Just kill me now. You know, you see that in this prayer. He's just doing anything he can to get out of this situation. Sometimes we just want to escape when things get hard. That's also a very natural response in a time of grief. Maybe you felt that during this time of the coronavirus crisis. Just what can I do to get out of my current situation and distance myself from this pain? Jonah experiences depression. In verse nine, he says, I'm angry enough to die. Jonah was in a spiritual depression. And I think partly this is also evident in the fact that he's all alone. I mean, just think about the ministry opportunity that Jonah had left behind. He went into Nineveh, preached a short message, walked through the city for three days, and then the whole city repents. Even the king is repenting. I mean, this was a ministry opportunity. This was a discipleship opportunity. This was Jonah's chance to see Israel fulfill its calling to be a light to the Gentile nations. But instead, Jonah just walks away from that. He's alone. He's outside the city, introspective, focused on himself. And he sits under this tree, just hoping God will judge the city. Well, Elijah had a similar experience. He was depressed under a tree. Something is not right with Jonah in this moment. He's dealing with that emotion of depression, one of the stages of grief. And there's nothing wrong with these different emotions in and of themselves. But if we don't learn how to work through them and process them with God, we will not survive our calling. Grief is a necessary stage of our calling because in every calling, just built into it, there's going to be some level of disappointment. It doesn't take long to see that as we look at the scriptures. I mean, Judas betrayed Jesus. So Jesus had disappointment in his calling. David, he writes about the valley of the shadow of death. He's attacked by Saul, his mentor, right? He's going through that. There are all these examples in the Bible. Yes, God blesses. Yes, God empowers. Yes, God releases. But typically there is a battle on the way through these difficult emotions when things don't turn out exactly like we hoped. You know, often we're disappointed with others in life. Sometimes, like Jonah, we can even be disappointed with God. And I think 2020, for a lot of people, has contained disappointments. It's contained disappointments. I, I wrote down a few. We've been disappointed when our plans change. We've been disappointed by the lack of justice and opportunity for people of color in our nation. We've experienced loss in schooling and relationships, financially, missing life events, missing milestones, social distancing. There's been disappointment. Grief expert David Kessler he says this about this year, 2020. He says, we are all dealing with the collective loss 
of a world we knew. This has been a season for grief for many people. But the question is, what do we do with that grief? How do we arrive at that last waypoint on the journey of grief, which, which therapists call acceptance? How do we get to a place of health? How do we drag ourselves back to God's path and survive his calling and make sure that we see this through? Well, just to think about Jonah for a minute, the book of Jonah has a very troubling end. We've, we've read through the book. There's no resolution for Jonah's life. It's one of the Bible's few cliffhangers. We're never told about Jonah's response. Does he accept God's love and mercy? Does he find himself in a place where he can love the Ninevites? And Jonah points us to an answer that can only be found in the New Testament. You know, Jesus talked about the sign of Jonah. And the fourth stage that we must go through to survive our calling is the stage of grace. It's grace. It is in the stage of grace that we learn our calling is not meant to be accomplished for God, but with God. And our strength is nothing compared to God's limitless power. It's the stage of grace where we find our identity and who Christ says we are and not in our own strength or accomplishments or lack thereof. Jesus teaches us about grace. One Bible commentator said this about the book of Jonah. This book forces us to contemplate our personal destiny. Now that's what this series, Lost at Sea, has been all about, finding our calling in the book of Jonah. To continue, it remains unfinished in order that we might provide our own conclusion. For you are Jonah, and I am Jonah. The book of Jonah remains unfinished because we are unfinished. If there's one lesson from Jonah's life that we can see, it's this. Our transformation, our journey of becoming like Jesus, our process of learning to rely on his strength and not our own, define our identity on who he says we are and not in what we do, to be empowered by his grace and look for his unmerited favor and celebrate when he pours that grace out on other people, even on people we don't like, that journey of transformation is not a one-time event. It's not just gonna happen one time in the belly of a whale. It's not gonna happen in three days as we walk through the city of Nineveh. There is a journey that God has us on of teaching us about his grace so that we can become more like Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is the message of the book of Jonah. Just to close here, I don't know what stage you might be in as you think about your calling. You might be in the go stage. You might be thinking about starting a new venture, trying something out, going into ministry, starting a family. If you're in that stage, I just want you to know, it might seem impossible, but Jesus did the impossible so he could empower you to do it too. You might be in the growth stage. This just might be a wonderful season in your life where everything is going right. And you know, Jesus went through that season too. He, he healed entire villages. People tried to forcibly make him king. When he went in Jerusalem, he was greeted like royalty. 
you know, by the people on Palm Sunday. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to look at Jesus. Look at his humility. Look at how he responds in those moments. He has a lesson for you of his grace during this time of growth. And I know many of us are in a time of grief. We might struggle on how to handle our grief. That's where I've been at. You know, last Wednesday, I took a day off to pray and seek God about some things and um, just had a day of silent prayer. And I went to the beach and I was having a really hard time listening to God and sorting through some things in my heart. And do you know what Jesus spoke to me? He said, before you can hear from me, there's some grief that you're carrying that I want you to deal with. And I spent a good while on a walk, talking to God, giving him my burdens. I was actually picking up rocks and putting them down on the beach, just symbolically, I've been carrying this God and I wanna give it over to you. We're carrying a lot right now. And you might need some time to give your grief to God if you're in that season. And the great news is that's what Jesus died on the cross for. Isaiah 53 talks about how he bore our sins and our grief. Our emotional well-being is provided for by the cross of Jesus Christ. I hope at the end of your life, you're able to say something like the Apostle Paul said about him. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, we'll close with this. Paul said this, whatever I am now, speaking of himself, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I've worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I who worked, but God working through me by his grace. We wanna be people that are filled with grace. By the grace of God, we are what we are. And that is how you survive your calling, working through the grief, working through the disappointment, and finding God's grace and favor and his identity for you outside of your accomplishments or your failures on the other side. I hope you've been blessed by this time of looking at the life of Jonah. I know I've learned a lot. We're so excited to regather as a church soon in person. You'll be receiving communication about that. Please be on our email list. Know we're praying for you. We hope to see you in person soon.